The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm told I wore the same shirt as Blair, that he has this shirt, so look, look like I tried to fill the role today. I love this thing right here. Uh, would y'all open your Bibles with me uh, to Colossians chapter 1? And while you're doing that, I do want to say thank you. I want to thank you to Cade and, and Aaron and, and to Blair and to, to Redemption Bible for just allowing me to come fill the pulpit. And uh, it is an honor. I do love the Lord uh, very much. He's done a lot in my life over the last eight years. And uh, one of those things is bringing the Cushmans into our life. And so as diligently as they've prayed for us to be here with them, God and his providence has brought me here to preach for you. So it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Colossians 1. Uh, I understand you guys had the opportunity to hear Cade preach on 15 to 20 last week. We're going we're gonna to jump backwards uh, one passage. And so if you'll join me in, in verse 9 here, I'd like to read the word of God. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you would please pray with me. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. And we, we pray right now, God, that you would focus our, our minds full attention and our hearts full affection towards you, God. That you would draw us nearer to you today. That you would heal our wounds. That you would comfort us if we're hurting, God. That you would uh, lift us up, lift our heads to see Christ and see his mighty, mighty power and his mighty, mighty work. And we ask this all in, in his name. Amen. All right, so walking is probably one of the simplest things that we do outside of breathing because we actually have to put some effort into walking. Would you all agree? All right. So I had the opportunity to go on a walk yesterday, or a fancier word for that would be hike in Lost Maples with our youth group. And it was beautiful, right? We went because the trees are changing and there's all that stuff. But it, it didn't turn out to be the, the simplest of walks. They call it hiking for a reason. And there were several times where we're coming down some hills and with all the rains and the flooding, there was a lot of loose rocks and stuff. And I had my five-year-old with us. And so it was definitely uh, sanctification, let's call that yesterday, as we're hiking at, at Lost Maples. Uh, but I would say overall, the quality of the walk yesterday or the hike was really good. We had a wonderful turnout for our teenagers and parents. Uh, many conversations were had about the Lord. We had the opportunity to enjoy his creation. So I would say overall it was a quality work or a good work or even a good walk, even a worthy walk. It was worthy of what we had set out to do and accomplish with our youth group yesterday, which was bring value to what we're trying to do in our, in our youth group and bring our parents together and, and enjoy God. And so uh, I think that ties in because what we're going to talk about today is a worthy walk. So if we're sitting here today and we're in Christ, God has done a mighty work in us. But then we have this responsibility of living it out on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's not always easy. Uh, but how you live tells us a lot about the truth that you believe. 
See, being worthy of something is, is having adequacy or great merit or great character or value. So if you're walking in a worthy manner, then you have great value in what Christ has done for you. As saints, we actually have the opportunity to be pleasing or displeasing to the Lord. He's given us that spirit inside of us to say yes or no to certain temptations that come our way. And the outcome is either going to be pleasing to him or displeasing to him. It doesn't change our position. It doesn't change our love in Christ. But it, it does change how we're pleasing him. And so my question to you today, really what I want you to be thinking through as we, as we talk about a worthy walk is, is your walk worthy? Is your walk worthy of what the Lord has accomplished in your life and done for you? And worthy walk is not a new theme in the Bible. It's not a new theme to Paul. We see it here in Colossians that he says in verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, which is what we're going to talk about. But in 2 Thessalonians, he encourages us to walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom of God. And in Philippians, he tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And in Ephesians, he says to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, the calling that he has given you. So today we're going to look at a worthy walk. And my aim is to show you four traits of a worthy walk through verses 9 to 14. So to give you those here to lay them out, a worthy walk is rooted in knowledge. It is marked by fruit. It is primed for perseverance, and it is fueled with gratitude. So before we get into our points, I want us to look at verse 9. It says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it. So we have to look back. I had the opportunity to preach on verses 3 to 8 in, in Bernie at a church. And it was an interesting passage because you see four here. Paul's encouraging them, since we heard of your faith, since we heard of your love, and because of the hope that you have laid up in heaven in verse 5. And it's really all building on verse 6, which is the gospel. He's trying to remind them. You see, some false teaching had come into the Colossian church, and he's trying to remind them of the gospel that they had heard. And he says two specific things here in verse 6, all the world. And I do apologize. I think y'all use the ESV. I'm preaching out of the NASB, so there might be some translation differences here. But in all the world. So he, he's reminding them of the power of the gospel. Okay, not just the power that it has going out in all the world, but the power that it's done in them. And then he also tells them here that it's increasing, that this is something that isn't just a one-time thing, but that the power of the gospel is actually growing and increasing in you. And that's important because as we get to verse 9, and we see that Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, he's talking about their faith, and he's talking about their love, and he's talking about their hope. But we see his care, and we see his compassion that even though they're there, even though positionally they're right with God, he has not given up praying for them. He has not given up asking that they would grow, as Second Peter would say, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul has this care and concern for their souls, much like a pa y'all's pastor, Blair Wood. It's killing him to not be here and preach to you guys today. He loves you. You have no idea the love he has for you. Paul had this same love for these Colossian saints whom he had never met. And so he's praying for them. And I think that, that that's a, a good application for our lives, that we should be praying for each other. And we shouldn't just be praying easy, simple prayers, but prayers that are, are like this, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And so a little background there to see Paul's concern and where he's coming from with this continual pattern of prayer for them. But as we get into the end of verse 9 there, 
that he would ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding into verse 10 so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And that's really where our worthy walk comes from is verse 10. He's saying all of this so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. He's really just clarifying what he has said and so that you will walk to take it one step further and say, okay, not just walking, but pleasing him in everything that you do. So that's really our foundation here. And we see the first trait that we have is a worthy walk is rooted in knowledge. Matthew Henry actually said in referring to, to this passage, he heard that they were good, referring to Paul. Paul knew these Colossian saints were walking with the Lord, but he prayed that they might be better. And I think that would be my prayer for you today is that we, we might come in here and we're walking a worthy walk, but you know what? We should excel still more. We should be better at it. So trait number one, a worthy walk is rooted in knowledge. Verse nine, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Rooted, rooted in knowledge, deeply established or fixed on the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, what he will do. We're filled. This is a completeness. This is a controlling filling. This is, this is, you're so filled with this knowledge that it is actually controlling what you do. It's, it's allowing you to say no to things that you want to say yes to. And it's causing you to do things that you thought you would never do in your life, like come preach to some people that you've never met. It's a complete control of the knowledge using our minds that he's given us to understand him and to think deeply about him. So my biggest concern for our, our younger generations right now is that we don't think deeply, right? We put a screen in front of our, 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 our face and we're just, it's always just rote stuff going in. Our kids don't think deeply, but God encourages us. If he wants us to be rooted in knowledge, if he wants to be filled with the knowledge then he wants us to be thinking deeply about who he is. This isn't an appearance of wisdom. Okay, this isn't your lip service. I was at a party last night, and this gentleman is in the Lord, and, and he sounds like a wonderful saint, but he kept trying to interject all of his theology and doctrine to me, and yay. But it's not about lip service. It's about a deep-rooted comprehension of the sovereign God. His will. Look at whose will we're to have knowledge of. We're not to have knowledge of anything outside of his will here in, in, in relation to walking with the Lord in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's no pride here. There's really just a humble attitude of submission to what God wants you to do with your spiritual life in everything spiritual. Guys, how he wants you to treat your wife. Ladies, how he wants you to respect your husband. Parents, how he wants you to teach your kids, what he wants you to teach your kids, work, how you serve others. I read a great article this week, and this quote has stood out to me, that we go to work to be meaningful and significant when we should just be going as an opportunity to serve others. That's living out a rooted, deep, comprehended knowledge of the Lord and who he is. And we see, it, we see another aspect of it here. We've got to jump down a verse, but we see it in verse 10 at the end, increasing in the knowledge of God. So we know that there is a foundation here of knowledge of our Lord. And this increasing, again, implies kind of what Paul was saying about the gospel back in verse 6, that we're not there. We're not filled all the way. 
we should be growing. We should see increase in our life. We should see more love and more compassion. We should see a greater desire to serve him, to serve our church, to serve others. And this can hurt. And this, this can hurt because he can reveal things in our life that, that we just, we don't want to deal with. But think about it. When we stumble, when we struggle, when we're fearful, when we have doubts, ultimately we're losing sight. We're losing sight of the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. And ultimately we start depending on our feelings and our emotions and our experiences or someone or something other than God. Basically, as Paul Tripp would say, you've created an idol. You've created an idol that is not the living, active God. Spurgeon said, referring to Paul, Paul knew that spiritual ignorance, I'm not that smart, so I had a lack of knowledge, is the constant source of error, instability, and sorrow. Just think about it. When you're stumbling, when you're falling, when you're giving into those temptations, you are often so far from the word of God or so far from him. He's not far from you. You've just turned your head or turned your back against him. He wants you to be so rooted that you're, you can't get away from him. Think about a tree here, okay? Trees don't grow well that have shallow soil. They need really, really deep roots. There's an example of this in Psalm 1, right? In fact, turn there with me to Psalm 1. Verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We're, we're talking about walking here. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day, meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. Are we firmly planted? Do our roots go down? Do they have a grip so that when something comes, we're not just going to blow over? Spurgeon finishes his quote and says, And therefore, Paul desired that they might be soundly taught the things of God. Church, you are taught the things of God soundly because I know your pastor. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with the knowledge? Are you seeking to win arguments? Or are you seeking to live for the Lord? A worthy walk is rooted in knowledge. Now, I grew up in the 80s, I guess, and I used to love G.I. Joe. Any G.I. Joe fans in here? Brian, come on, where are you at? I know you love G.I. Joe, right? G.I. <laughs> Joe had a great quote, and it's biblical. <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. Right? Because if you know all the facts, I mean, their scripture is riddled with this. You can know everything, but it does. The Pharisees thought they knew, but they didn't really know. So you can know it. You can have all the facts. You can win all the trivia contests. But if you're not doing anything with it, it's not real faith. So trait number two is that a worthy walk is marked by fruit. Look at verse 10 with me. Right in the middle of it here. To please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. In every good work, I'm bringing forth fruit. In everything I do, I'm producing something that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. 
In a sales business, this might be your production report, right? This is that report at the end of the month when you see, hey, how effective was I this week or was I just coming in and answering the phone and doing things? What's your production report right now? And we have to be very clear here, right? We are not doing these things to earn our salvation. We know that that is fixed in Christ. But bearing fruit is mentioned a lot of places in Scripture. Bearing fruit in every good work, a continuous pattern, something that is strikingly noticeable in your life. You're leaving a visible impression on somebody. I, I challenge my teenagers all the time. If I want my teenage kid, I don't have teenagers, I've got a 10 year old. I'm praying for Jesus to come back before she's a teenager. I challenge my teenagers all the time. If I walked into their campus on Monday and said, hey, is so-and-so a Christian? I'd love to hear what they tell me. But we could say that for ourselves because we're really no different. We get caught up in the same things and we get caught up in the same struggles. We forget that we have this knowledge of Christ. We forget we have this relationship with him and we stop producing fruit. A visible impression Think about, you know, sometimes I put my legs up on the coffee table, and if you leave it there for too long, you know how you can get that little indention right there in your calf? That's a visible impression. I left my legs sitting there too long. Do you have a visible impression of somebody on, uh, of your faith? Think about, think about for you, who has left a mark on your life? Blair has left a tremendous mark on my life, so it's it's an honor to be here today. Think about that person that you just know, like, hey, I don't remember his name, but he's a car guy. Or, man, I don't remember his name, but that guy, computer. If I need computers, I'm calling that guy. What's the visible impression of you on somebody? Because first and foremost, you're a Christian. You're in Christ, and you work and walk for the Lord. And so we're going to fail, and, and he still loves us, but we should desire that when we go anywhere outside of these walls, as soon as we leave here, that people are seeing a visible impression of Christ in us. Bearing fruit, marked by fruit. A disposition of the fruit of the Spirit. Doing things with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I had to get that in there. It's a, a wanna requirement. You have to know that one. Am I doing things with that? When somebody call, when my brother calls me to come preach, am I doing it with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness? When I'm, when I'm called to go mow somebody's yard because they can't do it for themselves, am I doing it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Or am I just doing it? A worthy walk is marked by fruit. That's the fruit that we want to be seen in our life. Fruit in everyday life. Fruit in marriage. Man, y'all, my wife is the most wonderful saint because she asks me at least twice a week to rub her shoulders, and I always give her that eye roll. And you guys know what I'm I'm not going to call y'all out, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm praying even right now, like, God, please let me find joy in doing that because she's my wife. We're one flesh. In my friendships, we have zero excuses right now to not be in each other's lives because with technology, you can text a brother or sister and pray for them. You can ask them how they're doing. We can ask deep questions. How's your soul? Not how's your life. How's your soul? 
Where are you struggling? How can I pray for you? Man, y'all, y'all do community groups, uh, home groups, small groups. What do y'all call them? Small groups. Be there. Share. It's only going to be as good as what you're putting into it. Parenting, work, teaching, encourage somebody who's weak. You know, you're not just coming to church. to This isn't a consumable product, what I'm doing here today. This is to encourage you in the Lord. And there might be somebody sitting next to you right now that's struggling that just needs you to pray for them. Encourage the weak, comfort the brokenhearted, correct the unfaithful. That's loving. It is loving to call out somebody's sin and go to them and say, hey, I see this in your life and I know you love the Lord and I, and I don't want you to be walking in that way. Help the helpless. Paul David Tripp, I love him, by the way. If y'all don't read his books, like he, everything he writes is gold to me. He says, how can, this is a thought to have as you're approaching, and he's, this is in a biblical counseling context. Aaron, I think y'all went through this Redeemer's book. How can I best represent the king in this place with this particular person? Being a Christian is not a part-time calling. It's a lifestyle. So ask yourself, how can I bear fruit? When I'm given an opportunity, how can I bear fruit here? Am I bearing fruit? Look back on your life six months, a year. Has there been fruit in your life? And if there is, praise the Lord for it. And if there's not, repent of it. And go forth with him. That same tree that has those deep roots, guess what? Deep roots provide, produce either wonderful leaves, beautiful leaves, or fruit. Right? If it's an apple tree and it's not producing fruit, you're cutting it down. Jesus says he's doing that to us if we're not producing fruit. And ultimately what he's doing is just revealing those that are not in the body. Deep roots produce marvelous fruit. A root in knowledge of who Christ is will produce fruit in your life. But here's the real world reality. There are trials. And some of us may be going through trials right now. They're going to come. They're promised. It's promised in 1 Peter that we're going to be tested by fire. James tells us to have joy. How am, I, how am I to put a smile on my face when I come down with cancer, Lord? How, how am I to be joyful when I lose a, a child? Trait number three is a worthy walk is primed for perseverance. Look at verse 11 with me. Strengthened. Okay, here's where I love ESV because y'all's ESV says being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Being strengthened. This is a passive work that the Lord is doing in you. He is preparing you. He is making you ready. He is preparing you for a particular purpose. He's preparing you for an opportunity. He's going to place something in your life. Maybe the loss of friends. It may be the loss of a job. Whatever that particular purpose is, he's preparing you to have an opportunity to glorify him, to make him known through your trial, through your suffering, through your doubts, through your fears, through every temptation that you could proclaim his name. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You can proclaim his name through all of those things because of what he's done for you. A continuous look at it, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. 
He's not telling you to pull up your bootstraps. He's telling you to humbly submit yourself to him, to his power. Pretty sure nobody in here has raised anybody from the dead. He did. You've got that. That's your fuel tank. You've got his power in you, a continuous empowerment pushing you, spurning you, encouraging you, not from your own strength, from the mighty one. His glorious might is the source, and it's the source for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, perseverance, perseverance of the saints. We believe in that. We believe that we will overcome. Scripture calls us overcomers. Are you primed for perseverance? Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I, I went through this season in my life a, a month or two ago, or maybe a year ago. I was just ready for the shoe to drop. The Lord has just blessed us tremendously in just health. In my, in my, I actually have a full-time job as an insurance agent, and everything... And even he's giving me my heart's desires. He's put me on staff at our church. He's given me the opportunity to preach. But am I primed? Am I ready for when the shoe drops? You know, am I ready when that ache and pain and I go to the doctor and they tell me it's cancer? Is my faith still going to be strong then? Am I still going to be rooted in that knowledge? Can I still bear fruit? And then I have to step back and say, no, he... You don't have to be ready. He's making you ready. He is priming me by his strength. He is making me unmoved, unswayed. He's making me loyal to my faith, loyal to piety. He's giving me the ability to never give up. He's giving me the ability to fight to the end. He offers enduring strength. Because if you're not in Christ in here today, you cannot make it through these things. You will depend on drugs or alcohol or false teaching, whatever it is, you're gonna try to find hope in something and you're gonna, at the bottom of it, when you get to the bottom of it, it's gonna be like the candy dish, you're gonna wish there was more there and there's not. And all it's gonna do is give you cavities, Kindle. <laughs> but he gives you enduring strength. The Lord of all the earth gives you enduring strength to live the life that he calls you to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects. That's power. That's priming. That's readiness. That same tree. I'm using this tree a lot. We were hiking yesterday, and you weren't with us, but she went off with the older kids. But my seven-year-old was with us, and we walked by, and I see this dead tree. It's probably like a 30-foot-tall dead tree. It doesn't even have any small leaves. It's just got like two stacks, right? And I said, Kennedy, look, that tree is just waiting for a storm to come through and blow it over because it's dead. It has no life in it. It has no roots. The next big storm that comes through, that thing is just going to fall and tumble, and it's going to turn to dust. Is that us? It's not if you're in Christ. You're strong, you're deep-rooted. You have the God of all the earth inside of you, dwelling in you by his spirit. That tree wasn't really doing anything. Am I the dead tree? Am I not really doing anything for Christ? Am I getting hung up in all the things of this world? Am I just waiting to fall, to be blown over? 
or am I deep-rooted? I've got beautiful fruit. Or right now, if you're going out there, the season of just the changing leaves and just the glory that you see in God with the colors that you can't paint. Am I primed? Am I ready? Am I ready for the storm? I'm going to tell you, you are if you're in Christ. You can do it. Not by your own strength, but by his might, by his glory. But plans need motivation, right? Y'all have probably planned for a trip before. You got to have fuel. What's getting you there? What's firing you up? What's driving you? Well, trait number four is a worthy walk is fueled by gratitude. Look at verse, the end of verse 11 and, the, and into 12 here. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right now, you might just be sitting there with the wrong fuel. Maybe your fuel right now isn't gratitude for what the Lord has done for you. Because a gracious heart will produce fruit, and it will be deep-rooted in knowledge. What's sustaining you right now? What's encouraging you? What's your stimulant? Right? What's that continuous replenishment in your life? We've got to have water. We have to drink water. It's a requirement to live. For spiritual life, we've got to be connected to him, right? We've got to be in the word. We've got to be praying. That's our connection to him. And when you, when you do that, when you read the word, when it, when it goes into your soul and into your heart, you are replenished. Because I don't know how many times I'm going through something and I read the word and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you idiot. Stop giving into that lie. Stop believing Satan. You need the right fuel. This, this is a, I'm not a smart man, I told y'all that. We had youth group one night late, and at that time we had a, 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 an excursion, a, a Ford excursion, and I loved it. And really this was Lord just breaking down my pride, because I was very prideful about this excursion. And it was diesel, you know, the good diesel engine, the 7.3, the power stroke. And it's late, and my, my wife is, the fuel tank's low, and it's her car, and so I'm driving home, and I fill it up on the way home, and I, I, I go to bed and wake up the next morning, and at this point, my wife is still working at Chili's, and she had to get up at like five to go to work. And I hear her come running inside, and instantly I'm like, oh, man, I put gas in it. <laughs> oh, She's like, honey, it's got white smoke. I'm like, turn it off. <laughs> Stop. Turn it off. That awesome diesel engine wasn't going to do anything with gas in it but create a really expensive bill, right? That gas was not going to fuel that diesel engine. Well, church, Facebook's not going to fuel your soul. Friends aren't going to fill your soul. They can help. The Lord, the gratitude for what he's done in your life, that's what fuels your soul that's what sets you apart. That's what allows you to make a mark on somebody, a visible impression of their life, that the Lord has done this work in my life. Stop giving in to fake fuel. Quit taking five-hour energy for your Christian walk. It's only five hours. You're going to be tired in five hours. 
You're gonna be weary. You're gonna be heavy laden. Well, guess what? Christ said, come to me. Fake fuel, feelings, emotions, money, your kids, those are all just idols. The gospel is your fuel. Look at the text. Who has qualified us? Who has made us sufficient? You see, you were not sufficient. You could not stand in the presence of a holy God. You were not fit. He rendered you fit. He made you able at this very moment to be positionally correct with God. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your fallings. He sees his son. He sees Christ. And Christ is glorious. Do you see it? Do you see the one when you're going through those hard times who made you fit, who qualified you to share in the inheritance? Stop filling up our 401ks. Start filling up our souls. Look at the text. He has rescued us, verse 13, from the domain of darkness. You are no longer in darkness. The light has shined on your life. Shine that light back. Be a mirror. Be a reflection of the glory of God. Shine back into somebody's life, into each other's lives. He has transferred us to the kingdom of Christ, his beloved son, the one whom he loves. I mean, you guys got a great dose of that in 15 to 20, right? And that he has reconciled us through his son. Walking in a worthy manner is walking with gratitude expressed in obedience. See, we have the joy of being Christians that the word of God is not a to-do list or a bunch of rules. It's how God sees fit for us to live our life more closely to him. And it's kindness when he reveals sin in our life. And it's kindness and love when he grants us repentance. And it's a treasure, it's a joy when he gives us a temptation because he's making us more dependent on him. He's encouraging us, he's giving us opportunities every day to walk in a manner worthy of him. We are fueled by his accomplishment, what he did on the cross. Church, I want you to be encouraged by that today. Believer, if, if you're in Christ right now, remember, remember that moment where you were regenerated, where you were made new, where he took you from the darkness and put you in the light. Doesn't mean it's all gonna be easy, but it means you have truth. You can always go back to truth. You can always go back to the word of God and remember who you were and where you are now. That should give you gratitude in your heart. It should spurn you to obedience of his word. Unbeliever, if you're in here this morning and you do not know Christ, I want to plead with you. 
I want to plead with your soul because everything that you are pouring yourself into will burn and melt away. But Christ is the solid rock. Christ is the one that you need to cling to. He is the hope that he promised, that Paul talked about in verse six and five. The hope laid up in heaven, he's there preparing a place. And he will come back. He will be here. And if you are not in Christ, I'm sorry, it's gonna be bad. And you, and, and believe in the one who's coming back. Believe in the one who, who can rescue you and stop being rescued by all this other stuff because it's all temporary. Because the waves will get so big that you can't cling to that fake raft. You need the rock who is Christ. Think about it this way. In gym class, you used to have to climb ropes, right? Maybe some of y'all did. I didn't because I wasn't athletic either. I'm not smart and athletic, so preacher. Okay. Uh, so think about, that. think about that rope. You're struggling to get up that rope. You're struggling. This is us. This is our life, my job, my kids, my wife. I just keep trying to cling on. And all I need to do, all he's asking me to do is let go and fall that six inches I've made it and land on the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. That's your gratitude, that you can land and stand on the rock. A worthy walk is rooted in knowledge. It's marked by fruit. It's primed for perseverance, and it is fueled by gratitude. A worthy walk for the worthy one, because worthy is the lamb who was slain. Two things I want you to take with you today. Number one, you can look back at the text if you don't trust me here, but there are no shortcuts in a worthy walk. He says all spiritual wisdom. He says in all respects. He says with all power, attaining of all steadfastness. There are no shortcuts, church. Stop taking shortcuts. Dwell with him. Be with him and enjoy it. And number two, it's a walk. He doesn't say run in a manner worthy of the Lord. Slow and steady. Trials will come. He's priming you to persevere. It's not, a, it's, it's, not a, it's not a run. It's a walk. He is increasing you. He is working in you. And when you don't think he is, I promise you he is. So whether it's losing friends, whether it's a, a disease that you have no control over, he is with you, right beside you. A worthy walk is rooted in knowledge marked by fruit, primed for perseverance, and fueled by gratitude. You have an opportunity to please the Lord, to live out what he has done in your life. So you know what? Go for a walk. Pick your route. Put on your athletic shoes and clothes. Pile in some carbs and go. Because of this church, you were worth it all to him. Let's pray.